What's up? Happy to be here. How's my favorite salt company doing? Haven't seen you guys in a while. I've been moving around quite a bit on Thursdays, visiting a bunch of salt companies. And the reason why I've been doing that, if you don't know me or if you've been underneath the rock for like the last year and a half, I'm the church planner and we're planting Cincinnati in 2021. It's gonna be awesome. In fact, we've had two vision trips, two of our four vision trips already. We brought over somewhere around 80 people on vision trips in the last two months. It's been pretty incredible. And we've had 35 people already commit to go on the plant. We are really fired up about that. If you're still interested, you have an opportunity to check it out. We got two more coming up, one at the end of November from the 30th to the 3rd. And if that one doesn't work for you, then one in December, 13th through the 16th. It's an incredible opportunity. And to make it sweeter, I think at one point, Stephen said he would pay for you if you're a senior. He'd pay 100 bucks towards it to $135. So for that, you get a so for that, you get a t-shirt, you get to come check out a really cool city, you get to think about the very least, you get an opportunity to know how to pray for us better, you know, and, and look at it. There won't be any pressure point where we get you there. We're like, now that we have you here, you can't leave. You have to stay forever. You know, we're not gonna do that to you. We're not gonna pressure you. are not gonna, just an opportunity to pray and see what God does. And, and uh, we are have our last family dinner this Sunday where we're gonna tell everybody the name of our church and all the information. In fact, maybe, no, I'm not gonna tell you. I'm gonna have to wait till Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> it's, but we're really excited about sharing that information. We're actually gonna simulcast people in from all over the place. It's gonna be pretty cool as we talk about that. And we'll have dinner for you. So we'd love for you to come check that out. If you want information about what that looks like, come grab me. I'd love to talk to you about what that is. Or Timmy, actually, I don't think Timmy's here tonight. Uh, maybe Lindsay, she might be here. But I'm here, so come talk to me about it. Love to hear about it. But anyways, let's, let's get into what we're really here to talk about. Isaiah 58. Open up your Bible to Isaiah 58. We're just gonna jump right in, okay? And when you get into Isaiah 58, verse one, as you're flipping there, just kind of tell you, God is speaking to Isaiah and he's saying, hey, this is what I want you to tell the people of Israel. Israel is God's chosen nation at the time that he's working through that nation in order to reach all the rest of the world, that they, they would be a welcoming mat, a door, an open door to the rest of the world to have a relationship with God. And so God looks at them in verse one and says this, tells Isaiah to say this, cry out loudly, don't hold back, raise your voice like a trumpet, tell my people their transgressions of the house of Jacob, their sins. Okay, so it doesn't sound out, start with a lot of good news. In fact, what happens is God says, hey, tells Isaiah, hey, I need you to get, I need you to put Israel, I need you to put my people on blast. I need you to get real loud about what I'm about to tell you because they haven't been listening and they need to hear what I have to say, but they're not listening at all. This is a wake up moment for the people of Israel, okay? Any of y'all ever had a wake up moment? You know, where things got, somebody had to get real loud to get your attention and to tell you something's really wrong in your life, right? Some of you nodding, yeah, I can't tell because of the mask, you get used to that, all right? But I, I remember this one pastor, Tim Keller, was talking about a moment that he had a wake-up moment in his life. He planted a church up in New York, if you've heard of him, and he tells a story about how he's three years in the marriage, and he walks three years into planting a church, and he walks into his kitchen, and his wife is taking the fine china, and she's slamming it on the ground, like they're expensive dishes, just throwing it on the ground. She's like, what are you doing? Have you lost your mind? And she's like, I'm trying to get your attention. He's like, what are you talking about? And, and his wife looks at him and goes, Tim, 
you said that you needed two years to get this church off the ground and you were gonna give a lot of attention to the church, but then you were gonna turn back and give your family attention. It's been three years and you haven't done it yet. And he's like, boom, that was loud. It's a loud moment where he goes, oh my goodness, there's something going on. This is the temperature that God has. He's like, they're not listening. I need you to be loud, loud like a bullhorn. Put them on blast, like put it on social media. And what does he want them to do? He wants them to tell them about, tell my people about their transgressions and the house of Jacob of their sins. See, what God wants to tell them, the people of Israel, is that your sin is a problem. In fact, though, what you're doing right now is a really big problem because he says they're transgressions. There's a difference between sin and transgressions. Sin is breaking God's law. Transgressions is doing it in a certain way. Transgressions is you knowing that it's wrong and choosing to do it anyways, right? It's like my four-year-old going, I'm like, don't touch that. And she goes, boom. And looks at me and goes, what are you gonna do now? See, when the Bible talks about transgressions, it's us looking at God and going, what are you gonna do now? I'm gonna do it. And even worse, doing it, premeditatively doing what is wrong and knowing that later you're just gonna come around on the backside and say, God, I'm sorry, please deal with this and try to get in right relationship to get back on the other line. That you abuse God's grace and goodness. So he says, hey, listen, you need to get loud about their transgressions. You need to get loud about their sins. What are these things? Keep reading in verse two. He says this, they seek me day after day and delight to know my ways like a nation that does what is right and does not abandon the justice of their God. That doesn't sound bad yet, God, but we're getting there. They ask me for righteous judgment and they delight in the nearness of God. Still doesn't sound bad. Here comes in verse three. Why have we fasted? This is them responding to God. But you have not seen. We have denied ourselves, but you haven't noticed. What did they just say back to God? God is saying, hey, this is what you pretend to be in verses two. And then verse three, he says, this is his people's response, that we fast and you don't see us, that, you've, that we've denied ourselves in service of you, but you haven't even noticed. You don't care, God. And his response is, look, you do as you please on the day of your fast and you oppress all the workers. You fast with contention and strife and strike viciously with your fist. You cannot fast as you do today, hoping to make your voice heard on high. Will the fast I choose be like this, a day for a person to deny himself, to bow his head like a reed and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this fast a day that's acceptable to the Lord? You know what God's saying to them? He's saying to them, there's a problem in the way that we're relating to one another. God's saying the big transgression is that you are relating to me in a transactional relationship and not a transformational relationship. See, what God desires for us is he desires a relationship that's transformational, not transactional. See, when you look at verse two, it looks like it's all good, right? Because look at some of the stuff they're saying. He's saying, hey, you seek me day after day. You delight in my ways. But if you look a little bit deeper into that statement, he's not complimenting them. Look at it, he goes, you seek me day after day, you delight to know my ways like a nation that does what is right and does not abandon the justice of their God. He says at a glance, you look like you're doing all the right things. You look pretty good. You look like a nation 
It's not that you are a nation, but you look like it. Everyone would see your religious activity, the way that you worship, the way that you keep the Sabbath, the way that you keep the rules, the things that you do, and you look like someone that pursues God. Another version reads out this verse like this. They're busy, busy, busy at worship and love studying all about me. To all appearances, they're a nation of right living people, law abiding, God honoring. They ask me, what's the right thing to do and love having me on their side? God's not complimenting them at this moment. He's not doing, uh, we're, gonna do a, we're gonna do a criticism sandwich. We're gonna say something nice, I'm gonna criticize you, then I'm gonna say something nice, like the way that we, you know, we like to share with one another. He's not doing that at all. He's actually doing the opposite. He says, outwardly, when people look at you, when you look at yourself, you think we're in right relationship because of what you do. And people outside would be like, oh my goodness, yes you are. See, there are some of you in this room that are just like the person that God's talking about right now. When people look at you, you've got lots of things underlined in your Bible. You go to Bible study quite a bit. You're discipled quite a bit. In fact, some of you are just like, you are, you are what you really are <laughs> is you are just spiritually obese because you're always intaking knowledge about God. but that knowledge never moves itself into your heart and actions to transform, to change the way that you live. See, when you look at this passage right here, he says, no, 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 you're like those people, but you're not those people. You fool a lot of people. And it's immediately exposed. What's their response to God? We fast, but you don't see us. We do all this for you, God, but you don't even notice. They're like, check me out, God. Look what I do for you. What are you doing for me? Their view of their relationship with God is transactional. It's not transformational. They're thankful that they're the people of God. But they're trusting on the legacy of someone that came before them. They don't have an intimate transformational relationship with God. They have a transactional relationship with God. God, we do this for you so I can score points to the big guy and then you give me favor down the line. Guys, don't we have this view sometimes? It just comes out different. It comes out like this, God, I don't understand. Why don't you ever give me a break? Like I go, I'm on leadership. I go, to, I have quiet times. I go to Bible study, I go to salt. I, go to, I do all these things, God, but this person in my class doesn't do any of them and everything works out for them. Why did they get the internship? Why does she have that boy? Why does she have that boyfriend? When's mine gonna come, Lord? Don't you see the game you're playing there? that you're bartering with God. God, I'll do this if you give me that. You owe me this. And here's the reality, guys. God doesn't desire that from you. There is nothing you have that he needs. 
He doesn't need you to be his Facebook friend. He doesn't need you to check a certain box when you fill up information about yourself, Christian. And the thing that you're looking to get from him, outside of him, will never satisfy you. Whatever that thing is, probably the best thing God could do is not give it to you. But not only does it stop there, but look, we can see furthermore, it says, is that not only do they, they go, God, what about me? God looks at him and says, your fast isn't even a fast. And you oppress all the workers. He says, you're just fake fasting. God is looking at him saying, your fast isn't even fast. You do whatever you want on your fast. Like you're not even fasting. You just say that you fast. Or you fast in the same way that some of you are gonna be like, I'm fasting from homework after Thanksgiving, Okay. It's like, woo. <laughs> They're not transformed. Look at what their fast really is. God says, your fast is this, actually. It's contention and strife. And it's like a vicious fist. There are people that know the word of God. They know what is true and right. They've heard it since they were little, but they're walking away from it. That's some of us in this room, that you begin to mirror this attitude that not only are you transactionally dealing with God, but you're not being transformed by God. That you are just like the Jewish people who delight in reading the word and learning new things about God and all this stuff, but you're, you're just absorbing information, but you're not being transformed by the information that you're reading. God has a warning for us. At the end, he says, if you think, what he said, verse five, he said at the end, if you think this is acceptable to me that you do a bunch of religious activity, but you view me transactionally, that you don't reflect my character. If you think I'm gonna accept that, I'm not gonna. Instead in verse six, he says, this is what he would accept. He says, isn't this the fast I choose to break the chains of wickedness, to unite the, the ropes of the yoke, to set the oppressor free and to tear off every yoke is it not to share your bread with the hungry, to bring the poor and the homeless into your house, to clothe the naked when you see him, and not to ignore your own flesh and blood? What's the fast that God looks for? What's the worship that's acceptable to him? What does he delight in? It's when his children are transformed by his word, and he delights when their faith works. Now, let me be clear about that. I'm not saying you need to do these things to be saved. He says he delights in seeing these things because this is what saved people do. They read the word of God and they respond to it. They're transformed by it. See, what Jesus is saying, what God is saying in this passage, in these two verses, he's saying, I'm not impressed with your four-hour quiet time that you put on Instagram. I'd be impressed by your obedience to the mission of God, 
by doing the things that I've actually said to do. All these things written here, they would not be strange or new commandments. They would be things foundationally to the people of God to know what to do, that you should help the poor, that you should help the motherless, that you should help the weak, that you shouldn't ignore the needs of your own family. Here's the thing we need to understand about God is that he's in the business of breaking chains. He's in the business of freeing the enslaved. He's in the business of healing the broken. Guys, when we approach God from a transactional point of view, what were the words that we saw in those first couple of verses? That actually leads us to oppressing people and conflict and strife and violence. What are the words here? When we approach God from a, transact, from a transformational point of view, a transformational relationship, we're like, God, I hear your word and I do it. What, is it. what are the words we see there? That the broken is fixed. The hurt is healed. That the chains are broken. The greatest testimony of your life, guys, is not, is, is not all the knowledge that you can learn about God but it's about how you participate in the mission of God. God has commanded us to partake with him in the mending of broken things. Here's something that drives me nuts, all right? Because we do this weird thing in church where we talk and discuss and theoretically look at what it would look like to obey what God tells us to do but we don't just obey it. If my son who's seven comes to me and I said, Jackson, go clean your room. And he came back to me and goes, hey dad, I memorized what you told me. I'm gonna have some friends come over. We're gonna talk about what it would look like to clean my room. We may even memorize it in Greek. Am I gonna be happy? No. I'm like, you didn't do what I said to do. But there's this weird thing we do in church where we read the things about God and we theoretically think about, we think about what if we did that and how amazing, what our, how transformational I'd be on our campus and our city. But then we just go, cool, we close the book and we go on with the rest of our life and we don't do anything. That's not what God's calling you to do. That's not what it looks like to be in relationship with Jesus. I'm so tired of the political season that we're in. Because what I see more than anything from right versus left is people just talking on Facebook about what would be good, but no one's actually doing anything. Guys, we're the children of God, image bearers of the creator, sons and daughters of the king, called to be in relationship and walk alongside him and be a reflection to a lost and dying world about the redemption of Christ and new life in him. The world doesn't even look for the church to answer the problems that we see here. You realize that, right? We look for the government to deal with the, 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 the orphan and the widow and the downcast. Doesn't that break your heart? I don't wanna just leave it there, I'm just gonna say it this way. Because you don't need to leave and go start a new nonprofit. 
We need to start thinking about, God, what in my context brokenness do I see that I need to engage within me? Then where is the brokenness around me in my context of the people that I'm with? And then where does it look like in my city? And then where does it look like in my nation? And how do I participate in the fixing of that? How do I join in, God, with what you are already doing in those places? But here's my thing. Just do something. You don't have to do it all. But just do something. Because if you do, here's the crazy thing. Look at verse 8. He says, then your light will appear like the dawn, and your recovery will come quickly. Your righteousness will go before you, and the Lord's glory will be your rear guard. And at the time when you call, the Lord will answer. And when you cry out, he will say, here I am. If you get, if you get rid of the yoke among you, which is the finger pointing, the malice speaking, and if you offer yourselves to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted one, then your light will shine in the darkness and your night will be like noonday. The Lord will always lead you, satisfy you in a parched land and strengthen your bones. You will be like a watered garden and like a spring whose water never runs dry. Some of you will rebuild the ancient city. You will restore the foundations laid long ago and you will, you will be called the repairer of the broken walls, the restorer of the streets where people live. I just want to point out the fact, how amazing is this and that God is getting loud in their ear about their transgression, but then he offers them a future. Some of you need to hear that because when God corrects you, he doesn't just say that's it for you. He points to a way back. And when our worship works, guys, it brings light in the dark places. Over and over again, twice in that, that couple of sentences, it says, you will be a light in a dark place. Here's something I can promise you. If you just start raising your hand and you're saying, my faith is gonna work, not so that I'd be pleasing to God, but because I wanna follow God and be with God and I wanna be a part of what he's doing. If you start raising your hand and start doing that, I promise you this, that you will see God work and the intimacy and depth that you will have with God will be greater the words that you see spoken about here about how God will be near and you will hear him. Yes, that will be true. Also, what will be true is that he will lead you to places that are barren lands. But in that, he will sustain you. Over and over and over again, my family has seen this. As over and over again, we've, stepped, we've raised our hands and say, hey, we'll step into that need. We'll step into that place. Every time we see God show up, it's not always part in the cloud, miraculous miracle thing, but he shows up. And story after story after story I could share with you about how God has used us when we stepped into dark places to bring light, to see his presence and his work. Don't you long for that? Guys, come on, don't tell me when you look around the brokenness of our world, you're just like okay with it. There's something just aches in your heart. And God says, hey, if you will be these people that don't just follow me and memorize a bunch of stuff about me, don't just talk about me, but actually trust me and follow me where I'm leading, don't just enter into a transactional relationship, but a transformational relationship that you'll draw near and I'll transform you and bring your heart to these things, then you're gonna see me work. And not only that, 
the things of God will be a delight in your life. Look at verses 13 and 14. If you keep from desecrating the Sabbath, from doing whatever you want on the holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight, pages are stuck together, and a holy day, and the, and the Lord's honorable, if you honor it, not going your own way, seeking your own pleasure, or, ta- or talking business, then you will delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride over the heights of the land and let you enjoy the heritage of your father Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Okay, when God says, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken, he means it. And what he's saying here, when he talks about the Sabbath, you don't know what the Sabbath was. It was a day that was set apart for Jews in order to rest and then commune with God corporately and individually. How amazing is God that he does that? He goes, hey, uh, today you're gonna rest and you're gonna commune with me. And I don't want you to just do it in practice. I want you to do it at a heart posture where you honor it, where you pursue it. You don't just check the box. And he promises if you do that, if you take meeting with God seriously and trusting him, then it's gonna be a delight to your life. See, some of you in this room, church, leadership, connection group, whatever it is, has become burdensome for you this semester. It's because you still have a transactional mindset about God. I still need to check the boxes to keep the big man happy. And I'm just put it in the work and it'll all pay off at some point. But when you have a transformational view of your relationship with God, meeting with him corporately as a group of people and celebrating who he is by looking at his word and going, wow, that's actually true, brings delight in your life. I could use some delight in this season. We're all wearing masks. Can't you? Here's my prayer for you as we close. Is that you would think about the areas in your life that are transactional instead of transformational in how you deal with God. And that you would do business in this moment. Because what I desire for you is to see what God's talking about here that you'd be so transformed by his love that you would have the heart of Paul did in 2 no, Corinthians 5, 14, where he says, for the love of Christ controls us. That you'd be so overwhelmed by his presence and who he is that it would just leak out of you. That doing the things that God loved would be like Breathing. And in doing those things, you'd see God take dark places and make them light. And you would delight in his presence, not be burdened by the responsibility. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you so much for these men. Thank you so much for these women. Lord, I ask that you would reveal in us the places, um, God, that we have a wrong view of you. That we look at you and we say, I kind of done this, you owe me. Lord, you don't owe us anything. You've been merciful and gracious and good to us beyond measure. God, I ask at this moment we would have right perspective of you. 
And our worship of you would not just be in word, but it would be in action. God, that candeo, that salt here at you and I would be a place that people from the outside look at and go, that's a place of action. They don't just talk about following God. They don't just talk about what it would look like. But they recklessly pursue the mending of things here. Lord, I know that you're doing that here and you want to do it even more. So please do it more through us. Amen.